Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of All Things Marketing and Education. This week, I am sitting down with Shelly Sanchez Terrell. She is an educator, she's a digital innovator, she's a speaker, she's an author, an author of so many awesome ed tech books. I know I just I don't want to list them all and we're going to get into some of your books too, Shelly, but she is a mover and shaker in education. I am blessed to have known her for so long. Today we will be talking about all things ed tech. We'll get into a little bit of AI and chat GPT, which a lot of people are talking about now. Um, general technology integration. She can talk about a lot of things, but I'm personally passionate about that. That also applies to AI and chat GPT. And what I love is she talks a lot about teacher time-saving tips with technology. So we'll get into all of those things. We might mention some digital wellness. We might mention just general awesome ed tech stuff. So hold on. We're going to talk about a lot today. But before we get into those topics, let me give you a brief background about Shelly. I told you she's awesome. I told you that she's a digital innovator, but she's an award-winning digital innovator. She's an international speaker. She's an author of teacherrebootcamp.com, Hacking Digital Learning with EdTech Missions, the 30 Goals Challenge, which I suggest you check out because it is awesome, um, and so many more. We'll put the bio in the show notes. She has trained teachers in over 20 countries as a guest expert, a consultant, an ambassador for the U.S. Embassy. Oh, my gosh. Like, when I read this, I was like, what? I knew you were awesome. <laughs> but, like, this is cool. She was named Woman of the Year by the National Association of Professional Women. She received a BAMI Award as the founder of EdChat. And that's kind of how my journey with you, how I met you in, back in the day, and she has been recognized by several entities as a leader in the movement of teacher-driven professional development. And I just, you know, usually when there's a movement starting, Shelly, you're in the mix of it. And I appreciate that. You're just in it. You're like, I love it. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's go. Um, I was personally checking the Twitters to see how long you and I have known each other. And I know our friendship goes beyond Twitter, but usually that's a hint of like when we first started talking to Absolutely. each other. Remember? So like I went back and I have legit been learning from you on Twitter since 2010. And that wasn't when we actually knew each other face to face. It was like, hey, I really liked your article. And then you were like retweeting something I said at a ed chat or something. And it, it was like, oh, back and forth, but mostly me fangirling you, but everyone <laughs> throw me a bone. But I, of a lot of our guests, me and you have probably had the most consistent from starting from 2010 of just, you could tell it was just genuine curiosity and learning. Oh, yeah. You met my parents, you got to hang out with them. So <laughs> yes, um, I would say, you know, ISTE San Antonio wasn't the first time we met in person, but it was, right. it was one of my most memorable moments. 
But I will never forget the way your parents, when they talked about you, how their eyes swelled up with pride. And that still gets me. They just, you know, and then you inviting us in to that whole, like, for those of you who don't know, you know, Shelly, her family is from San Antonio and ISTE was at San Antonio. So ISTE is the biggest ed tech conference in the nation. And you took it and your family took it to host us and this beautiful mariachi breakfast and just knowing your family a little more and your culture. I, I don't know. It was awesome. <laughs> and we loved my, uh, you know, uh, my father passed away, as you know, and that was one of his most beautiful times getting to meet my friends and just see, you know, yeah. everything real, like everything we were doing so he really loved you i know my family they, my mom you know I, we you spent quite a few times with us on the, uh you know even at uh Mitiera, which is a very popular restaurant i think you went with us a couple of times yeah. there my parents always loved you like they were like yes. i would send them christmas cards for a long time until like it started bouncing back or something and i'm like turn it <laughs> Well, Shelly, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I was just saying right before the show, selfishly, I get a chance to reconnect with you because it has been a little bit. I get to learn with you on Twitter, but I don't really get to under like see where you're at in your in your education journey. So you have done so much in K-12 education in particular, but I'm curious, like, where did it all start? I don't think I've ever heard this story. Were, were you raised in a family of educators or, or was it a moment where you had a powerful teacher? But like, what drew you to this world of education initially? Well, that is a part of it is having powerful teachers. And my father is very much about education. We have, I have four sisters and uh, we grew up in one of the poorest districts. In fact, there was a um, Supreme Court case about it. It was a, uh, um, the Board of Education of Edgewood District, and uh, they went uh, about not having equal education. And so I grew up in a really poor neighborhood with my grandmother walking me to school, and pretty much everybody spoke Spanish. Everybody, uh, a lot of the parents didn't even graduate from high school. None of the parents graduated from college. That wasn't even a thing. But my father knew very young. He he didn't get to graduate, but he always knew, like, if we want to stop this cycle, you have to um, graduate from college. And he would tell us that every day. And now all five of us have our master's degree and doing really great things. Um, my sister recently moved down here and got to even teach with me. And she's brilliant amazing but um that's where it started for us my dad didn't know he's the kind of kid that i have in my classrooms today even working with middle school where they work all the time they cannot help their kids with homework they can't uh, there's a lot of things they can't do but my dad really relied on the teachers he'd go and meet the teachers i had amazing teachers and i think somewhere along the line i did a lot of business and i even had a business degree to begin with but it was the teachers that really inspired me who got me to break that cycle and do great things that really made me want to give back and that just kind of was like hey if i want to make a difference in the world I need to go around the world. I need to work with teachers. I need to work with kids because if I'm not working with kids, then I don't know what teachers really face in the classroom. So that's where it started. And I, I, I was just shocked when you said all five, your, your, all five, all five of your siblings all have master's degrees. That's amazing to be able to instill that. And then when you said just recently you had the opportunity to teach side by side with your sister, that's that's awesome. Yeah. 
And um, our kids, even, you know, today, they, I, I even had parents, um, you know, recently had to leave the classroom, unfortunately, but I had parents who were like, we love you. And my sister, too, she keeps running into kids because now she works for the district and she goes to different schools and they say, Miss, we love you so much. You made such a difference in our lives. And the parents um, wrote me and were like, hey, we love you so much. Can we write you a recommendation letter? Like I've never had parents like especially middle school parents love me so much that they're like, I want to write you. I want to be a speaker to you for wherever you next so that really touched me in a, uh, a lot of ways that you know there's so many parents out there and they appreciate what teachers do even if they don't say it all the time yeah and your career I feel like I know there is no linear path in the world but I feel like you've gone all over in different classrooms in different locations and being from like the author perspective to working at various parts within the education ecosystem there's a lot of people that are listening and they work in education and sometimes they're trying to figure out their unique journey and their path. Do you want to just maybe talk about like what guided your decisions as you started meandering through different aspects of education? I think one of them is, and I talk to a lot of teachers, um, you know, in every country, I try to stay with the teacher if they invite me because I want to be in the real place. Um, I go to the schools, I teach with them as well. And I hear, I see something great, like I'll be in Croatia or another country and I'll say, wow, you're amazing. Like the way that you use mobile devices in the classroom and do storytelling, that's pretty amazing what you're doing at your kids. And I usually get the response of, oh, everybody's doing that because they live on Twitter and they see all these teachers doing great things. And I can tell them, um, like, no, that doesn't happen. And my sister, she she trains in different schools and she still sees a lot of teacher who are talking and, and, you know, they're learning, but they and she helps them with that. But they're still, you know, sage, you know, that in the front lecturing, having kids write notes, and they're not getting them to digital storytell with like mobile devices or do animation or greens, you know, all the great things teachers do, even like puppets in the classroom, just whatever it makes kids smile, feel engaged and want to go to school every day, like wake up and feel like that's their safe, great place. And so that's what I would say is that to get that confidence, my dad always instilled that in us, and uh, we're, I'm a yes girl. So whenever opportunities would come, it didn't matter. Oh, Shelly, you know, um, we need you in Paris next week. I said, okay. And then the week after that, I would get a message. We need you in Tokyo. Okay, yes. You know, even before I heard about, you know, what how they were going to make that happen. And then they made it happen. But I was always a yes person. And because of that, I got to do really great things. And because I felt confident, like I knew I'm a teacher, I'm helping others. So even if I feel like an idea is not new, not, they say that in life, you know, even, um, you know, the great, uh, scientists and engineers, they always, and inventors always got ideas from, everybody has a lot of the same ideas, even if they deliver it differently or it comes out different. So I'd say have confidence in yourself, know that this is a very giving place with education and someone's going to appreciate the help out there. And so I would say, and for them to say yes, especially at the beginning, don't necessarily worry all the time, you know, oh, am I making the right you know, big, big, huge bucks or anything like that. I know that's important, especially we have families, but 
if you really want to get into like just consulting and helping others and writing and things like that, you really do got to um, be able to just say yes to opportunity. So what you said about saying yes hit me hard because I was thinking, did, you know, have I even been able to say yes as much? And, and I have been embracing yes within boundaries, but in the beginning of my career, and even now, if I'm being honest, I don't say yes enough because I only say yes when I'm overqualified to do so, you know? And I feel like that sometimes it can be more a female thing is that we say yes when we're overqualified and we never really say yes if we're not 100% qualified at times. So I'm reflecting on that. And I know a lot of educators are overly humble to a fault. And like you said, I'm not doing this. This isn't really exciting. Um, I want you to pause and think about all the things you are doing in your classroom that could be transferable into anywhere you go. Because you skip, I know so many educators that have done so many things in ed tech and beyond in business, if that is your path too. And I will say one thing about the, I love how you said the overqualified when um, what really taught me something was the embassy, the U.S. embassy, when I started uh, working with them, and that was because a country needed me to go and they didn't have the funds. And so I, I found out the U.S. embassy, they send teachers, especially teachers who have master's degrees and um, who are willing to travel and help countries. And when they send you to a country, you don't know what you're doing. And so when I was in Venezuela, I was in Venezuela, uh, there's three years on and off I was in Venezuela and I literally went the whole country, sometimes in a little truck. And it was amazing. I loved it. It was just such a beautiful experience. But in each place was a different thing. It was setting up an online college. And then in, in I might be, I definitely never set up an online college here, you know. But there, I was definitely able to help. There were so many things I was able to help. And I think when we think, okay, are we, but sometimes there are other places that do not, have the skill set we do that would really, really just benefit. And so um, I think you you let it surprise you. And, if, and that's the great thing about Twitter. You don't know. You have a whole support system and they write books. They have information and everything and they will help you through that. And so that's what I was able to find. That's awesome. Planning content can get a little overwhelming. It takes a lot of time to produce high quality content that will be most useful to your audience at any given time. That's why at Leone Consulting Group, we did the first step of identifying events that should be on your radar. Our free EdTech Marketers 2023 Planner lists the most important events, dates, and birthdays in education. Use our list to create timely content for educators, parents, and administrators year-round, all within an easy, downloadable calendar format. You can access our planner by clicking the link in the episode description or by visiting leoneconsultinggroup.com TW. Happy planning. Um, so why don't we get into a very hot topic right now, artificial intelligence. So AI in education and specifically chat GPT. So you've been talking about this for quite a while. I, I follow you on Twitter, obviously, and just seeing all the great resources that you're sharing. And I'm seeing the conversation evolve into more thoughtful 
way in the beginning it was like kind of reactive right because it's like oh this is new don't you know don't freak out like that was the tone of a lot of the resources and now it's like here's how you can save time here's how you can reflect you know all all of the things around that i'm wondering since you have been following it very closely what are you the most excited about from the implications, I guess, specifically of chat GPT, but if you want to bring it higher up, AI is fine too. Well, I think that in, in AI in general, that's huge and that's so amazing. But even today, um, I work with a lot of different tech companies and uh, Parlay, which is like a discussion, free discussion, really wonderful uh, tool. But they even sent me an email about how they're using AI. And there's so many of these ed tech companies that are like, oh, we're with AI. Now we're using chat GPT. And uh, it's just amazing, but it's going to impact every teacher. So I feel like it's very important. It's going to be in all of our ed tech tools. One of the things I'm excited about is we're talking about time savers. It can save you so much time. And I, I feel like educators, some of the conversation, I still see it and see it even for my gurus who I adore, but um, there's a, there's some gurus and they're amazing. Like they give you all these like diagrams and charts and show you how to really work with it and write a prompt because that's so important. Um, just how to ask the right question to get what you want and constantly edit that question so you get the right input, more quality input. But I still see some where they, you know, you can ask chat, BT, uh, chat GPT, write me a lesson about um, the 1920s of this um, or prohibition. And then it's going to give you a lesson. Oh, add the teaks. It's going to add the teaks. It does that within five minutes. And I guess I'm not sure, but, um, you know, we have evolved from I'm not going to take that lesson and copy and paste it if I don't like it. You know, like that's not going to be a lesson that I just go up and teach because I'm a seasoned teacher. I know that. I don't even think new teachers would do that because they wouldn't feel very comfortable. But if you continue, it can help you that way. Um, and that's what I'm excited about. It really So going back into teaching and even like teaching in Texas particularly, you now have so many demands. My lesson plan template at the three different schools that I was working with here um, took 10 hours, you know, because you have to follow these very strict steps. And then you have to have like an exemplar for each. And ChatGPT can help you do all of that. It can help you brainstorm ideas within minutes. So that way you're not spending hours and hours of your free time and your time with family on this. You can actually, you know, things like paperwork and, you know, am I making the objective right? Am I, you know, tying this to objective, the assessment? You can get all of that, you know, with the help of chat GPT. It can be your help. It can grade for you. You can put a rubric in it. You can put the questions and you can tell it like, I want, these are the type of, you know, specific feedbacks. You can give it sentence stamps and it'll grade all your papers and everything for you and give specific feedback. Things that I mean, if we're going to be realistic, aren't very manageable, you know, especially with all the demands right now in education, eating our time. So um, that's what I'm most excited about is that when teachers really get to use it and know it um, and they, they know how to work with the AI, it can be their helper. It can be, you know, their person that's free helping them. So 
Like yeah, it almost like gives you the opportunity to, to prioritize what you do as an educator and say, Absolutely. what are those high value ads that, that I personally, that give me joy, that keep me going and that can make a difference in a child's education versus I got to grade this type of thing, or I've got to create this lesson plan, or even if it doesn't even do it, like you said, 100% right, it gives you 50% of a skeleton that's better than starting from scratch, right? And what I'm hearing from you is there's lots of cool ways. And if I'm a listener, I'm like, okay, this sounds cool, but I don't know where to get started. So will you help work with me that we can kind of put some resources in the show notes so people can Absolutely. look at the best resources to get started? Because this feels a little intimidating. Like, okay, I'm having a machine jump into my children's yeah. learning. Like what? But you got to start somewhere and just approach it with curiosity. And we'll put some resources in our show notes and we'll share the show note link at the end of the episode. And that sounds great. Um, I will mention two people that I follow right now, um, LinkedIn and Twitter. They're amazing. Um, Tom Barrett, he's in UK. He always does great at tech. He was uh, one of the creators of Teach Meet. So really amazing person's done great things. So Tom Barrett, um, he has so much uh, AI um, resources and visuals that make it easy. And Dan Fritz tweets, and he's pretty amazing. He runs a Facebook AI group, which I think is pretty much one of the best ones. So um, I would definitely, oh, and today, in fact, with Teacher Goals, they have a webinar or I don't know. They have a lot of webinars coming up, so that's great. <laughs> and they're pretty all great stuff to start with. Yeah. It sounds like you are most excited about it's it's kind of infiltration is not the word, maybe integration of using it to save time um, and put us back because you're right. We have so many demands on educators. They can't keep up. How do we expect them to? Maybe they can have this like free assistant come in. Um, do you have any other examples that you'd like to share that pop out to you that you're like, oh, this was unique and interesting. And I never thought of that before I thought about AI. There are so many, but one, what I will say is one of the ones that would be easiest, I guess, to do that a lot of teachers are working with is a lot of teachers love using videos in the classroom. So one thing that I saw that I thought was really great. So you can ask you can put the YouTube, um, you know, link. It'll come up with a script. It'll translate it for you within minutes. You have it for your students. It will make a gap fill, all of that for you. It'll come up with questions. And one educator I saw actually take those questions and then say, can you do it to Bloom's? And so it created questions in the form of like Bloom's hierarchy and it, it made them like really great questions. And so I thought that was pretty amazing, you know, and then you don't have to go into the whole, um, trying to create your own questions and figure out, you know, is this, you know, am, am I doing the right um, critical thinking questions? It did it for it. So I, I, if you know what parameters to give it, if you're not just saying, give me a bunch of questions related to this video, but you're saying, okay, based on Bloom's taxonomy and, you know, it's going to give you some pretty good stuff. Like it was pretty amazing. Wow. 
I'm impressed. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, just like when we first started getting to know like Google searches and we said, okay, now we generally don't search with one word. We know how to search for different things, do image searches. It's just going to take us some time to get familiar with it. And like you said, you're like, oh, that result isn't good. Let me add this. It's playing with it as well. Absolutely playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of playing, sometimes we always think of misuse sometimes <laughs> or playing to the point of unintended consequences. Like, do you have any concerns or like, do you follow any of the naysayers in, in AI? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one, well, I wouldn't say that it's uh, naysaying, but it is something very practical. The one thing that I have, so I don't, I don't buy into this whole, I see a lot of tweets and it's like, look, chat GPT gave me this question. I mean, this lesson plan, I went over it with my child and they said, oh, mom, that's, or dad, that's terrible. And I'm like, no teacher would do that. Like you always revise, you put your own spin and everything. But the things that I am concerned with most is, and I've seen some great things about, so a uh, 11 or 12 year old actually used chat GPT to write an entire game, like code a game and it's an amazing game wonderful you can read about it i think it was in the guardian and then i saw a lot of i follow a lot on linkedin and a lot of um, data people and people that uh, work with coding and so um they use it to translate to other coded languages so if you know python or you can and that's pretty amazing but i saw some comments and i thought that was a question that i have and it was oh, well, I don't know if I would um, necessarily put my code in there because that's that's proprietary, you know, like that's your code, that's a company's code. They can take that data. And that is something that is a question and a concern. Like, you know, are we, we might put a lot of, um, you know, and even me, I put in some of my writing, um, doing a lot of um, fiction and nonfiction writing. And Right now, I'm kind of, but then those kind of comments made me think about it because that's my work, but I don't know what's going to happen, you know, with the ones that I've had revised and edited and things like that. I mean, I, I kind of just kind of trusted it, but data and privacy, we know that's a big issue in all technologies now. And so that is a, a big concern. So I'm glad that education companies are starting to have it part of their platforms, but I also am very interested in how they're protecting our students' data when our students are doing things with AI and also how they're um, going to make sure that they protect our data. Yes, that's a really good point because that field alone is, is evolving all the time. But now with AI and especially if, whether they use it in their technology or not, it may influence the users and how they're using it, right? Yeah. And so how did they interweave that into their privacy and, and all that? That's a big thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to see how that evolves. So I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either until, you know, a bunch of coders started asking this guy saying, wow, that's really exciting, but I thought of the code because <laughs> code is like their, their stamp. And they exactly. all have a style and sometimes they follow different like company guidelines and it's not always like GitHub and open source, you know, um, interesting. Okay. So 
anybody who wants to learn more about AI, chat GPT, we will put some resources in the show notes as well. We could talk about this forever. Um, we also will put in another episode in the show notes that we talked to Tony Wan from Reach Capital. And Tony has some really cool implications on if you're a writer or if you're an English teacher, how you can use it for reflection and brainstorming and things like that. So let's, you talked a little bit about time-saving stuff and, and chat GPT in particular, but I know it is something that you are passionate about is, you know, I love your 30 goals stuff. I love you trying to inspire so many educators across the country and the world of just how do I get better? Um, and not better, like we have to be these crazy efficiency machines, but maybe we're getting better so we can spend time on things that bring us the most joy, right, too. But like, you, have, I don't know where you want to start because you have so many tips, but you know, maybe, some, maybe your most popular time-saving tips for teachers that usually teachers go, amazing. <laughs> so let's start there. One of them is uh, definitely templates. And so I collect a lot of templates on Wakelet. There are people that I follow that have so many templates. And really on Twitter is where I find them. And the template is um, so many people share like... Um, there's a lot of Google gurus. There's Miss Howell. She's one of my favorites. Miss Howell 24, I think is her handle. And she shares where you basically just copy it. And it's already designed beautifully. It looks like, you know, it's with, you know, Google or Canva. And they're beautiful. Like the font's great. It's like... Um, really beautiful color selected people spent time designing this and all you have to do is you edit it to what you need or you could use the template free the way you want and so many teachers do that on twitter and it's just you copying it and uh, looking at it and tweaking it the way you want using it with students and the students love those kind of activities they're very engaging i've seen um choice menus where it's like a, a board game and they go through a path and at the end they get like a a digital badge or a sticker an animation that comes up and all of that's created for you or there's you know uh choice menus that they have you can copy you know from them that have like um you know where they have an appetite uh it's like a menu a dinner menu and your students have to choose an appetizer activity they choose like the dessert they choose the entree and so many great wonderful things that are wonderful and they're digital and blended learning um nearpod has some lessons already in there i mean this so that take what's already there that's rich and wonderful and then just tweak it the way you need to but i think that saves so much time because when i'm designing something you know, it takes me hours just to decide what's the font. Oh, that's not the right font or the colors. And, you know, that takes so much time that will sometimes take me like two or three hours for a presentation. But if I see something I like and can adapt it, then that saves all that time and energy and it looks great. And then I can focus on, you know, I'm making a parent newsletter. So I have the time to actually put the information, things that are needed in that parent as other. I can make a couple of phone calls now that I've saved, you know, literally hours. I can actually call some parents that I need to. And so I think that's important, just using templates or lessons and things that are already there and wonderful. And if you follow these people on Twitter, you know, other educators that make it, then you you know what their quality of work is. You know, you know what kind of awesome stuff they produce. 
Great. And I, I see that. And I know for people that say, I'm not on Twitter, how do I get started? Um, what we'll do is we'll throw in a couple of Twitter lists for you to start following some people. And you might not hit the jackpot all the time, but you know, you just check in every once in a while and start looking. And there's so many free resources out there that people Absolutely. do. That's why I fell in love with this space is that yeah. it's just so selfless and collaborative. It's not like, oh, Shelly created this, you know, copyright, blah, blah. It's yeah. no, I did this. I want to help others. And please let me know how I can make it better so we can collaborate. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will throw out Slides Mania. Slides Mania has a lot of free of these choice boards and um, kind of um, weekly agendas for every month. You need one for Valentine's. Here's one for the month of Valentine's uh, with a calendar and a countdown and everything. So Slides Mania is one of those resources they can go to as well. Yes. And, you know, as you get more familiar with Twitter, you can start looking with hashtag. We were just talking about chat GPT, the same thing we had to learn with Twitter, right? And if you want Google templates and Google everything, you can put in specific hashtags and the people that do those free templates for Google and whatnot will, will be there. So you can get better and refine your searches the more you do different things too. Absolutely. Okay, so templates, I heard Wakelet, I heard Nearpod, I heard specific people, and we will throw some people to follow um, on Twitter and LinkedIn in the show notes as well. Any other time-saving tips that come to mind that you're like, okay, we talked about templates, which is a big thing, because the lesson planning is a thing. <laughs> what Are there other things that you wouldn't think take a long time, but maybe do? Like the font is a really great example. <laughs> I think also making it to where it's a very um, active student voice classroom. And that means um, letting go of a lot of control and letting your students run things. So my classrooms, you know, I have tons of jobs for students to do. Students, especially young ones, love jobs. But even the middle school will help you and high school. You know, they, they want to help. And um, getting them to do their own kind of – so students will grade and give themselves grades for me. I wouldn't sweat that. Um, also, um, just having it to where students give themselves feedback. And I think that's very important. That teaches them, you know, uh, and this is something that I'm very uh, mindful of. And I think is so, so important that's really messing in education is deliberate practice. And that is something that I've come across um, from a lot of UK educators that I've been following that do amazing work. But um, it's having students every day do something like give feedback because they're not going to get better unless they practice it. But also I've realized, especially working with middle school students the past year, is um, unless they do it, they're not going to get into routine. So getting my students to read at middle school level is near it's very very difficult and hard if they were never allowed to read in the classroom in elementary elementary was easier i got my kids to do everything because they're so motivated they want to please the teacher and so if they have deliberate practice every day if do not sweat okay i'm giving as long as you have permission 10 minutes you know of my classroom is dedicated or 15 to them just grabbing a book and reading you know, and that saves me time during that 10, 15 minutes. I can be doing a lot of different things. And my students are doing something really good because they are not, I can guarantee in middle school, high school, they're not going to pick up a book and read 
if that didn't happen when they were, and it's not happening at home. So I think that that's, and that's just one example, but giving feedback or working in pairs and groups, it was very difficult to get my students. And I worked in a, a very challenging school. It didn't have a lot of rich education. Um, it was a very poor area, a lot of high crime, even gangs, things like I had not encountered. Um, you know, we had school, sh school shooting up. So it was kind of scary stuff. But those kids, I realized like, and I gave all a lot of love and everything, but in, in the other teachers too, but if they were not, and they wouldn't get that, they would tell me, oh, you know, when I was, my teacher would just say, get on the program and do things. If they are, they are not going to learn how to give feedback. They're not going to learn how to, and they're not going to get in a routine of it because their brains are growing. So they don't have deliberate practice, constantly doing certain things, like giving feedback to each other, looking at their work, giving it a grade based on a checklist or rubric. And that saves teachers time. So letting go of the control, letting your kids I had a whole entire, I had to teach uh, seven subjects once in high school. One of them is called World Religions. And I said, you know what? You guys get the book. Each of you works in a group. You decide which chapter you're taking. You are going to study it. I gave them a checklist. And I said, you're teaching the class. And they taught the class the whole year. Because I didn't, I didn't have a master's or anything in World Religions. I maybe had a class. Um, you know, I'd been to a different country, but... I didn't know anything. So I, I let them teach it. And that was an amazing class. We did amazing things. We took lessons outside. We did little ceremonies. And I mean, we had great discussions, but things like that, just not getting too much into, oh, I have to control the grading. What's going to happen if I don't give the feedback? You know, the whole system's going to collapse. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. And the kids are going to uh, be more empowered because they're going to have deliberate practice doing that. And it's going to be a routine. Their brain's going to understand how to go through that process and get better at it um, because they had that practice. So letting go and let the kids do things and you can just like facilitate, walk around, and then do other stuff too, I think is is important. Yeah, and as you were talking, I was reflecting, I'm like, isn't it ironic that the more you hold on to control, the less ownership the students have, and the more you're kind of fighting against the battle of really getting them engaged, and you probably have a higher chance of burnout, because you, you just have too much of a workload to sustain in a long time period, too. So it just felt ironic, it's like, once you lose a little bit of control, such beauty happens in not only habits, like you said, but ownership and engagement, right? So Absolutely. I love those examples. <laughs> All right. I know we can talk about that one for quite a bit, but I hope that those couple of tips are really helpful for folks as you're starting to navigate, okay, time is the most precious commodity. How can I make the most sense of it, prioritize what means the most to me? So we have a bunch of education technology professionals listening as well. And it's kind of a beautiful audience because we have innovative educators like yourself, but we also have people that are running ed tech companies or running the marketing or the sales in ed tech and really trying to bridge the gap of how can I interact with educators? How can I learn how to speak their language and talk to them and sell my product in a way that really provides value? 
So there's a ton we could ask and talk about. You have worked and still work with ed tech companies and you've been in the classroom. So you've seen it both ways. And I'm sure ed tech companies have stalked you in the past and said, hey, buy my stuff, right? Um, I'm wondering a question, just a generic question about advice for them. But I know that's a super big question. But what do you think are like the most important features in ed tech products? Maybe we start there to like hone you in of like when you think about the ed tech products that you've really liked and have resonated with you. Is there a commonality in features or characteristics? I think definitely they have to have a resource or database. I've worked recently with a lot of STEM companies. And the ones that I use the most are the ones that actually have like very easy, like one pagers. One pagers are amazing. And tech companies give one pagers to teachers. They don't have enough time to play with the product and necessarily like figure out how to use it, figure out the lesson plan. And they don't have time. So getting a one pager, having like lessons and ideas, you know, getting teachers, even the teachers that work with it, that are able to have that time that they did get to in the focus group to come up with lessons and ideas, having that database of ideas to be able to remix um, into it. I think it's just amazing. One of my favorite tools, and I mention it again and again, because it saves teachers time every time I introduce it to teachers, and I do not work for them, I've never been, but I love them, it's Nearpod. And in Nearpod, one of the great things is they have, you can look it up, like, and every lesson they have is amazing. It has objectives, it has essential questions, it has great graphics, it has videos, it has a virtual field trip, and then you can edit it out. But I love that it has so many ways to, you know, if you're looking up, verbs or active verbs or we're teaching, you know, conditionals or um, some kind of math. They have so many lessons and in age groups and they're great. They're amazing. And it's just picking and choosing and editing as you like. So I think a data bank for teachers, if you have a product like a STEM tool or some kind of technology, having that one pager or something that's real quick that says, look, this is the way you use it, it's this how uh, kids will love it, this feature, not just getting like a whole pamphlet and stuff or, you know, just giving so much information, a whole PDF of it. That's great to have, but I, I think really just having that. And then the most important thing, and I, I saw this in ST Math that I really, really liked, and I got to work with ST Math for a while, was having that parent version, like parent talks with it. I loved it. So ST Math has like where they have a parent talk where they just send it to parents, things you can send to parents like that. And that's really helpful because honestly, um, the thing that's going to get students, we talk a lot about like um, student learning loss. The only thing that's going to get all of that back is parent engagement. I don't see that enough. I don't. So having a resource where here's parent letter on this, here's a, you know, and then you get the child working with that at home and then talking with the parent about it and that's rich learning and i think that that's great things that have the parent engagement component and then also like those one page or something and a data bank of of lesson plans and resources yeah i love that and i think that sometimes tech products especially nearpod and other things can be very robust right and it can be overwhelming but I, I kind of just start with what do you think your target audience's main challenges is right now? Prioritize that and maybe put that on that one pager, right? And say, here's Absolutely. how you do X, Y, Z. Like dangle the carrot. Like they're not going to know how to do advanced PBL lessons or even want to search for that, right? 
<laughs> no, they're going to want to know, okay, how do I use this to teach my lesson tomorrow on this question, you know, this topic? This yeah, topic. how do I engage with quick wins <laughs> too, right? So those are really helpful. Um, when you think about things that have, you've seen in the industry, and I, I don't want to paint a bad picture because I really do love our industry of ed tech. And I think in general, we do a decent job of respecting the educator and trying to work alongside all the, the stakeholders. But there's also, you know, we can learn from mistakes. And when you think about, like, if you were giving advice to an ed tech company and saying, oh, please never do this. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> Your top couple. What do you think those those would be that maybe have happened to you and have kind of been like, oh gosh? I think I'll say something they should do that a lot don't yes. do already, which is, um, well, some do it very well. And I've seen people on Twitter say, oh hi at you know from Heim Flip, whatever the company is. I would love this feature, ignoring it. You know, ignoring the teachers that are on social media, not having someone on social media that can respond to that and say, actually, and Google does this quite a few times, uh, educators using Google will say, Google, I really love if you had this. And then they come back and they say, actually, this is how you do it. We do have that feature. And, you know, not making it sound, making them sound you know, like they asked a dumb question, but it's really responding. And I don't think enough have social media people that make it that easy where you can tag them and say, hey, I would love if you have that feature. And then jumping and then responding and not responding in a way that's like, oh, well, you know, we're not, we don't have that capacity or we're not going to, but something like, okay, we'll look into that or that's a really great idea. And then feeding that into, you know, whatever the product is. I think just having someone there to listen and, and respond and say, oh, or yes, we actually have, I think this might be the feature you're talking about here. We just use this. And then guess what? Those are the people that are going to be the ones that get certified in your product because you responded to them or are using your product in the classroom. So that is definitely the audience you want. Those are the teachers that are working in the schools that are going to keep deciding whether they have your product in the school. So yeah. just have someone on social media where it makes it super simple to tag you and say, hey, I would love if you have this. <laughs> I just actually came across a stat. I was doing something and it said 70% of people. So if you had a positive interaction on social media, such as, oh, we do have that feature. Oh, no, great idea. We're putting it in the product queue. If they have a good experience with you on social media, they're 70% more likely to recommend the brand or product just, and not even based on if they used it or not sometimes too. It's like, oh, you know, I don't even use Nearpod or Remind or whatever. And uh, they responded to me and it was a really good experience. And so I think, you know, a lot of the times is as ed tech brands, we get caught up in this like very linear ROI thing. And they don't understand that relationships are, are really what make everything sing in terms of purchasing and just being a good human in the industry of good humans, you know, educators that are putting our heart and soul every day. And so Actually, I love that. And also, I think I found that some don't want to invest the money or the to have someone that's for that. And I've seen that if you try to be the comp, if you're the head of your company and you're running your your Twitter, your LinkedIn, Facebook page, whatever, it's not going to work. Like 
hire someone it's worth it it's so much worth it even if it's an in you know someone that you don't know, say the i word, don't say it, word. You know, intern just <laughs> it's a great investment invest <laughs> yes invest is better than intern for social media so like i would say <laughs> um but yeah i i think that when you are starting to talk about listening too, the, the first step I would say is listen and acknowledge and try to put it into action. But there's so many ways you can collaborate with social media within your company. And I work with companies to kind of move them on that spectrum. So maybe every Friday we just do a random poll. Would you like this feature or this feature? Or it's product Friday feedback. Like you can really use it to crowdsource great ideas and engage your audience if that's what you want in terms of feedback too. Absolutely. Any other things come to mind when like, you know, maybe I'm a new ed tech company on the scene and I might come from education, I might not, but I, this, this world's foreign. I got like a weird purchasing cycle. I've got people that make decisions that might not use the product. I've got, it's a wonky world. How, how do I, how do I navigate without pissing people off? <laughs> One of the ways to navigate is um, definitely get the product tested in places, you know, um, work with, there's integration specialists and there's, and that's another thing to understand how schools work. So many times a company would come and ask me as a STEM teacher when I was a STEM teacher and I don't make the big decisions. Yeah, I can kind of influence those. And luckily I was a trainer and super, you know, they love me, my district because you know, we had like 26 schools. And so I could help make influence those. But ultimately, I wasn't the one there's some where they just said no, and I love the companies and I fought for them. So really getting that relationship with the person in charge making those decisions, which is good, because teachers like me, fighting for products that we love, I can't, you know, I can't, but if you're the salesperson, that's your expertise or you love your product and you know it's great for kids, get with the right people, the ones in charge. So take whatever phone calls or steps to be able to know like who's that person who's gonna make that decision. It's not necessarily the principal. Sometimes it is the principal, but there's usually like a tech specialists are the ones who get to make that, um, the STEM specialists, whoever the integration specialist, usually they have that term in it, um, is, is the one and make a relationship with them, really get to know their product. Um, a lot of times, like me, they used to ask, mine used to ask me all the time, hey, I need you to hop on a call, show our district leaders how to use this, you know, um, school, whatever we were using at the time. And I would do that, but really the company needed to have been on board to be able. So there's so many tools I showed my district and I loved them and it was great, but I was a teacher. I wasn't getting paid for that or anything. And I didn't mind because I love those tools. But if a company is like making that relationship and says, anytime, you know, here's my number, I'm on board. I will show that product or that game or whatever I'm doing, then the, the you know, that's going to be what's going to stick in and be long-term and go in many schools, not just like, and that's going to help teachers like me because a lot of companies will go to a teacher and then the teacher has that pressure of how am I going to get, you know, I love this tool. And then it's like a heartbreak when, you know, my my budget person is going to tell me no. And why? Because I'm just a teacher. I have all these things to do. I don't have time to sell the product like I should, you know, or maybe I don't know how to sell, you know, that as a teacher. So I think 
companies really getting with the right person and just investing a few more phone calls to figure out who's making that that decision even asking the teacher hey who's the one who who gets to approve whether you get this product or not i think is is a big step yeah and what you said was also like knowing the ins and outs of the product, being readily available to do trainings, pop-ups, those kind of things. And, you know, it is really clear what districts are looking for at times, you know, and they have privacy concerns. They've got the criteria you need to meet. So you should be familiar with that and be able to answer questions because we have had people on our show say, hey, just make sure your sales team is fully trained and ready to go on the top concerns that they make publicly available, right? Absolutely. Well, geez, I think it's 45 minutes plus already. So I think we have to say goodbye, unfortunately. But before we do, I want to ask you one question that we ask all of our guests, and it's around inspiration. Because in education, in ed tech, it's very, it's full of highs, but it's definitely full of lows. And when you have those low days of just low energy, how do you personally kind of refuel yourself and get inspired to get going the next day. Lots of guests have talked about physical things, intellectual things. What gets you going that comes to mind that, that might inspire some of our guests to keep going in tough times? A podcast playlist constantly. I, li- I listen to the Think podcast with Chris Boyd all the time. Always gives me wonderful inspiration. Um, also, I listen to different, like the lo-fi playlist and also um, different types of music that comes on. Um, there's, and I, I forgot which one it is. I'm trying to find it, but there's this song right now. It is the um, Iran, uh, it's an anthem. And um, it's it's so beautiful. It's like this beautiful song, and it keeps going. And I think I got it from um, just from YouTube putting it, but it's called the translation is because of, and it says because of people wanting to dance because of and why they're fighting. And it's so beautiful. It's just a beautiful song. But those kind of things really just inspire me. Things that are outside. I read a lot about when I do read. It's in like nat- nature. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson or um, I read um, there's some Antarctica explorers and just I I even sometimes uh, a lot of times will tweet sometimes people will see a tech stuff and then they see random things about like um, an octopus that changes colors in the in a video of it and it's because knowing like this beautiful stuff around the world that's happening and animals and the great things they do really puts in perspective like to me there's such a big world out there you have to explore but the world is bigger than you like it's greater like yes it's important what you're doing but so is the rest of everything in the world like don't be afraid to step out of that. Like your microcosm, like your little world isn't going to break or your students or all of that because you're not constantly overwhelming yourself with all of that. Like you got to throw it away and, and remind yourself that, you know, there's, there's a big world out there. And for me, it's like a bigger being something like greater that, and, and, just being able to, that inspires me every day, just seeing like nature and the wonderful things that are just like, not necessarily part of teaching, but just exploring and it's just beautiful. (laughs) Like you said, it puts it in perspective, right? I was watching, and it's old now, but Will Smith was with um, 
right. with uh, David Letterman and Will Smith said, I did a lot of soul searching and I realized that 90% of my thoughts were about worries and those, and those worries, a high majority of them never came true. And I know he comes from over a privileged background, but in general, we all tend to worry or get stuck in our own myopic view. And what I love about what you said is like, if, if you just explore the beauty of nature, sometimes you can kind of get out of your own little hole where we get into Absolutely. some negative or thought patterns, right? And I will say something. So one thing that I love a quote from Will Smith is, and I share that with my students, even this past year, even when he did crazy things, but he's always said the secret to life and success is running and reading. And that's because when you run, like, your mind just does that, like it takes your worries away. But also when it's very tough, he said, you have a little voice that develops in your head and says, don't quit, go the extra feet, go the extra mile. And you're constantly with that voice and that voice will carry through everything else when you want to quit. So I really love that. And reading, he's like, nobody has written, uh, has experienced a problem or you don't have a problem that nobody's written about and has gone through and you can read how they tackled it. And it made so much sense. And so I've read lots and lots, but I always took that to heart, the running and the reading. It really does help. I mean, just kind of inspire you. It's beautiful. Well, Shelly, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to learn alongside you? And I'm sure on Twitter, right? Shell Terrell um, on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active now. A lot of people have migrated from Twitter. So yeah. LinkedIn seems to be a really powerful entertain, you know, engaging uh, commentary. And I learn a lot from people on LinkedIn. So I'm Shelly Terrell on LinkedIn. Um, Facebook, I've been more, a lot more active. That's been really growing too. People are more interactive there. And that's Shelly Terrell as well. And then, um, yeah, Twitter. And then just tweeting me as, um, basically the fastest quickest way to get a hold of me <laughs> yes and for those of you that aren't going to go to the show notes uh, i will say it's s-h-e-double-l-t-t-e-double-r-e-double-l so there's double l's and two r's in there when people are like how does she spell that Okay. Well, thank you so much, Shelly. I really appreciate you joining us, sharing your wisdom and inspiration. And just as I say to most of our guests too, when you jump on, I'd love for you as a listener to think about one thing you can do, whether it be a mind shift or a practical thing, or I'm going to go check out this tech company that, that Shelly mentioned, or, you know, I'm not going to be so afraid of chat GPT. I challenge yourself to think of one thing that you want to take away from this episode. And we talked about the show notes. You can access the show notes at leoniconsultinggroup.com. That's two G's consultinggroup.com backslash 46. So it's the number four, six. And we will put in all the AI resources that we can find, uh, maybe some Twitter folks to follow and all of the you know things that Shelly loved for inspiration too on the playlist too. So thank you all very much. We will see you next time on all things marketing and education. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit leoniconsultinggroup.com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends, so please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.